Cars today are safer, more reliable, and packing more technology than ever before. But if you're looking for an appliance on wheels, this isn't your show. We want to help everyone find a car they'll really love, capable on the commute, and a laugh on your favorite road. If you take the long way home, this is for you. New cars, used cars, whatever your budget, whatever your needs, if you like to drive, we want to help. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. So this week, you know, a lot of times we try to kind of curate the things that go together. And this week, for, for, for various reasons, we, we picked things that are very divergent. We have three completely different things to talk about tonight. The two car debates coming up, coming up, we do have two tonight. One is Thomas, who is headed to college. He's getting his car for his senior year in high school and then college beyond. He's probably going to do, you know, lots of 300-mile round trips going back and forth to college. He's got a healthy budget to work with, which is kind of shocking. And so he's asking questions about how to use his budget wisely. We're glad to be asked the question, but that's an interesting thing from Thomas. And after that, our second car debate tonight is on the other end of the spectrum. We've got one of the many people in the military, Will, that listens to the show. So, Will, thank you for your service and thank you for writing in. When he gets back from his latest deployment, he actually wants to get a sports car. His wife is on board for that, so he has a budget, but also a family and interesting discussions. These are two very divergent places to be tonight, man. I agree. I'm glad that uh, that we chose these because not only are they going to help these guys, but I feel like they're going to stretch us. You know, in terms of I agree. Yeah, yeah. getting creative here with some ideas. And I'm, I'm really curious because they are so completely different here. It's going to be an interesting discussion here. But, uh, but before mm-hmm. we dive into that, we've got Eric in Maine who's written to us asking about simply how to do a test drive. And mm-hmm. I, I find this an intriguing question. And it's not something we've actually really covered. And, you know, that's we've discussed a lot on the show. That's really how the show sprang up and came about in both of our lives was Mm -hmm. friends asking us, hey, I need to go on a test drive. Would you go with me? I need a second set of eyes and ears. I need, you know, help with, you know, budget. And who am I in terms of a a car buyer? Am I looking for a truck or a car and all Mm -hmm. those things? And so I think this is a great question because it's entirely valid and it's really the starting place before you can even get to you know something like we're doing in the car debate yeah. or get to really reviewing and, and really considering plunking down cash for a car, it's all about well, it's the test Well, it's a huge drive. part of the process. It's a huge part of the process. And you know, I want to give a shout out real quick. A couple of weeks back, we were on another podcast called the, uh, the College Info Geek podcast with, with Thomas on there. He had us on and yeah. he asked us so many questions. And of course, you know, nobody has to push us to talk about cars. We talked for so long, it wound up being, brace yourself, two hours worth of commentary about just buying cars and shopping for cars and finding cars. So we just kind of bombarded uh, poor Thomas and his listeners, but he loved it and, and we were thrilled to do it. So if you are curious about us rattling on about that for a while, you can find it there. But we will probably at some point Pull some of that information back in here, some of the how to buy a car things and things Mm -hmm. that we discussed with Thomas, because he asked some great questions, and it was fun to kind of download the brain on that. But Eric's asking a great question, and one of the things I brought up uh, prior when we've talked about this that I want to mention to you, Eric, and anybody test driving is I feel like, and maybe this has been only my approach, but I feel like there are two different layers of test drives that you need to do, Mm -hmm. because... You know, when you're shopping, and of course we recommend all the time, go out and drive lots of things. And we mean that. Try to take a Saturday, go to your like local car row and drive as many things back to back as you possibly can. But I think that initial one is 
the whole 15, 20 minute, maybe half hour entire experience per car. You're, you're doing the kind of initial layer of just what intrigues me. And I think you have to be honest with the salesman. I'm not buying. And, and if you say, I've just started looking today, I guarantee you their salesman response will be, you could stop looking today. But anyway, <laughs> um, I, I've heard that so many times it makes me gag. But, <laughs> but moving on. But, but, but actually say to them, look, I want to, I've never driven whatever car it is you've got in front of you. I've never driven one of these cars. I want to drive one. I need to take a simple test drive just because I've never driven one. That's just kind of your initial layer. As There's a second layer, though. As you get serious about a specific car, then I think you go to the salesperson and you tell them you're serious. And you say, I'm seriously considering this car. I need a half hour to an hour to test drive it. I'm, I want to really drive this car. Don't waste a salesman's time, or in some cases, your own time, chasing the big monster test drive right up front. Figure that out if you kind of hone your car list down to one or two vehicles. Mm -hmm. So I want to talk about both layers, but what's your, what's your start in on this? I like that. I like that you mentioned there's a couple layers, and I feel like at the initial outset, if you're, you're not sure, I feel like it's, it's fine to just go for a Saturday and you know, mm -hmm. you've seen our comparisons on YouTube with press cars. We do back to back because we're driving them generally yeah. in the same day yeah. or you know, over the uh, series of uh, a few days. And we're back to back constantly in both of those cars. And we reserve our commentary until we get on camera. And we drive it for a while and we, you know, mm -hmm. we make mental notes and talk about it over you know, a meal, things like that. And then when we put our commentary on camera, our thoughts are a lot more fleshed out. But I, and it's I think late. it's always late in our time with the cars too. We're always we, we've pushed that as far back as late. we possibly can, so that we can really get in. I mean, you and I swap cars so much on a shoot. Oh yeah, Be, it's constant. You know, both both who's driving and which car are we in to even do you know the same corners and that kind of stuff. But but it, it you are you're absolutely right. I mean, even people that shoot with us that don't even get as much time as we do. It's interesting to watch anybody get in two cars back to back. Mm -hmm. The differences will mm -hmm. always strike you, even if you aren't sure exactly what was different between the two. You will like one more than the other, but you've got to get in get into them in close proximity of each other to really sense that. Yeah, I, I was going to go into this bit of homework that you have as a buyer before going to test drive. And there's a little bit of homework that you need to do before your initial stuff, but then there's a lot more before you actually start to get serious. And so yeah. I'll start off by saying yeah. the little bit of homework is you kind of want to figure out you know, the budget range, kind of the things you're interested in. And again, that's how Todd and I got into this is asking mm -hmm. people questions. You know, when you're in the car with the sales guy, Stop talking about the paint color, turn the radio off, all those salesy kinds Agreed. of techniques that yeah, they like yeah, yeah. to do. Yeah, and yeah. the biggest thing to keep in mind, Eric and all of our listeners, is that generally speaking, dealerships like to stick to a pre-planned route. They have a planned mm -hmm. route and it's about 10 minutes tops and there is no way you can get a feel for a car in that in that time frame. So I like that you brought up as you get serious. Maybe that's down the road. Maybe there is an initial mm -hmm. quick interest to just a toe in the pool. You know, let's let's start, you know, sniffing around this car and if you like it, then yeah, do yeah. a more extensive yeah. test drive. And this this one that you and I did at a Jaguar dealership uh in California a couple of years back, I think it floored yeah. both of us and the sales guy said all right, well, you know, there's uh, not enough gas to get to Mexico, but, you know, go take the car, keep it as long as you want, and bring it back whenever you want. <laughs> and we looked yeah. at each other thinking, well, you know what? On, on one hand, you think that's a lot of trust for a dealer to be putting in customers and clients because, of course, mm -hmm. he didn't mm -hmm. know us. 
But on the other hand, what a great sales tactic because the sales guy yeah. was not yeah. in the car and you can take it on the roads that you know around your house and really start to get, a, oh, so mm -hmm. my car that I have now does this on the freeway on-ramp or mm -hmm. does this on my favorite road. This new car that I'm driving behaves entirely different and I like it or I don't. And you can start to get that, you know, that feel for it. I think that only happens yeah. really in the generally the higher end market and the higher end cars. But I don't know. You might be able to convince a sales guy, look, I, you know, here's my driver's license and I'm going to be gone for an hour. Well, there's. You know, I, I hate to say this, but there's an age factor, too. I mean, if you're under sure, the age of about sure. 25, the chances of you getting in a test drive without a salesperson for a while are slim to none. Uh, as you get older, they get a lot more lax on that. And you're right. As you get into higher and higher priced vehicles, they get a lot more lax on that, which is also very mm -hmm. interesting. So an 18-year-old wanting to test drive a Honda Civic, A, is not going to get much of a test drive, <laughs> and B, isn't going to get much trust. I mean, that, that's sad but true. But back to your, your pre-planned route thing, I would say you know, if you're going to an area of the town that you know that has a lot of car dealers, unfortunately, it probably is not near any genuinely fun roads. Right. So, but right. I would look at your Google Map and I would car exactly. It's gonna you're, you know you're gonna do four right hand turns and go back to the dealer and you'd be like, <laughs> what do you think? Well, yeah, that's terrible. <laughs> yeah, should we start but, up but the what paperwork? You really, <laughs> exactly. What you really ought to do, yeah, these are the questions to avoid. What you really ought to do, even on that initial test drive, if you can, I would say try to find a freeway on ramp. A freeway on-ramp that has got, a, you know, like a, a cloverleaf curve to it. Because that just shows you body roll. It shows you dynamics a little bit in a way that there's no reason for you to not take that on-ramp. Okay? So even <laughs> yeah. if you, you – because a lot of times, yeah, you'll, you'll do the – you'll literally do the block – in a, a neighborhood kind of setting. And, and guess what? It's going to feel like a car. I mean, you're going to notice the seats are different than your current car, and maybe the steering feels different, but you have no idea if the car does more than just roll. Mm -hmm. So if you can, it's great to get – and I'm literally talking – don't go for a freeway run. I'm talking about go exit to exit. That's all I'm talking about. But see if you can find an on-ramp or alternatively an off-ramp that is a little bit of a curve to it so you can feel the compression in the car. That is something, and, and as Paul already said, turn the radio off. Yeah. Okay? Once yeah. you get down to later on a car you're specifically looking for, two things happen. One, you want to get the longer test drive, and you want to figure out, okay, where's a decent twisty road to actually drive this on? Because what most people do is you drive down the block, and at some point you put your foot in it, and you feel, guess what? The engine accelerates, and guess what? It downshifts, and oh, cool, the brakes work, and you're back at the dealer, and you're like, did I like that car? So <laughs> right. when you get... Exactly. When you get serious, you go, you're going to have to figure out a longer route that actually has some twisties and some fun, ideally. Maybe that's not possible, but ideally. And honestly, freeway on-ramps do count. Absolutely. But as you get later... As you get later, then you have to do the kind of sit everywhere you normally wouldn't. And what I mean by that is sit behind yourself. Sit in the mm -hmm. passenger seat behind the driver. Sit in the passenger seat. Check the – I know it's weird. Check the glove box. Check all of the if it's electric mirrors. Turn them all. Try to make sure they all work. I And by the way, I always forget this step. Sit in the – the worst seat in the car, because I, as a driver, am never going to wind up there. Sit in that seat and go, okay, does, uh, do, do the windows work here? You know, does the lock work? Can't do, how's my room? Check all of that. Is there a trunk switch? How do I open the gas cap? These kind of things are good, but not initially. They're good as you get serious about a specific car. And, yeah. as you, and that's yeah. just where, where it, why it's going to take longer. But initially, you've got to do more than go, you know, four right turns around the block at 
residential speeds. You've got to at least get up to freeway speeds, and my instinct would be ideally a, a decently curved on or off ramp. I, I like all the suggestions that it just occurred to me that we may have people listening who might work at a car dealership. They might be salesmen or salespeople themselves. And sure. if you've got tips and tricks and you know that kind of thing, please write to us. I'd be curious to hear your take because mm-hmm. I've got a few more here. I've got two sort of um, – these come from long experience tips mm-hmm. and then moving into stage two of the test drive. The, the first is um, – <laughs> Park somewhere where the dealer can't see you coming. In whatever car you drive to the dealer in, park around the block, park far away, and walk one or two blocks into the dealer. Because inevitably, at some point when you sit down, they'll say, so you're going to be trading in your 2010 Honda Accord? And you think, wait, how did you know? Oh, you saw me coming and you were watching me. And, you know, they're already thinking that to try to get, you know, talking numbers. And that's how they, Mm -hmm. you know pun intended, steer the conversation that way. And the second is, I'm not trying to be an us versus them kind of mentality, but to start with, when you're unsure and you're undecided and you want to leave every possibility open, don't Mm -hmm. share your mobile phone number with the sales guy. Take his card and say, I will be in touch. Thank you so much for the test drive. You're very generous. I will be in touch. But don't give them your phone number to start with because guess what they're going to do with it? You're never going to hear the end of your first 10-minute test drive. (laughs) Hey, so should we get that paperwork? When are you going to come back in? And they're going to inundate you with phone calls. I think that's probably the last thing you want when you're still in this initial buying phase. I'm still considering maybe three, four, five different cars. That's yeah. not what you yeah, need yeah. at that point. It's not until you narrow, start to narrow stuff down and you go back for your second test drive. And that is when, mm-hmm, as Todd's mm-hmm. saying, do a longer test drive. Do, you know, go off the pre-planned route and say, you know, and specifically ask if the salesperson is with you, hey, can we go on a different route? Do you mind? Can we just, you know, take a couple roads that I know over here? And, you know, usually they'll be cool yeah. with it. And yeah. that's when you've got well, some homework. That's when this homework stuff yeah. kicks in. And the first two of these are know your budget and get financing lined up before you walk into the dealership and also Mm. check with your insurance company to see what that's going to do. So you have both of these numbers in the back of your mind all ready to go and you feel armed. You feel like you've got Mm -hmm. some ammunition and you've got some place to come from. In, in most cases, it's been funny. Whether either you or I walk into a dealership, you can instantly tell. My favorite thing to do, just... Just a, in casual <laughs> conversation, just to gently lead the conversation. But I always say, so, how long have you been working here? How long have you been doing this? The people that say, yeah. I've been here five years. I love it. The dealership's great. They treat everybody well. I love what I do. Okay, that's a different story than I've been here three weeks. And so what would you do before this? I worked at retail doing something else. Well, that tells me yeah. you're just out yeah, to make yeah. a quick buck. So that's sure. why I want you to be armed with this financial information and what you're comfortable with rather than letting the dealer lead that conversation you've got to be armed in your hip pocket with these numbers and that kind of thing so again all that's, this is with experience that's excellent, that's come excellent. Over, yeah yeah come over the years but I, I, you know and i think it i think it still relates to i i really do feel and, and it depends look I, I want to caveat this by saying this this the two-layer test drive depends on how sure you are Eric, I'm going to speak to you specifically. How sure are you, Eric, with what you want your next car to be? If you really have no idea, then drive as many things as you can and keep the conversation as short and light as you can. Be very candid with the dealers. 
I have never driven, uh, you've got a WRX on your lot. I've never driven one. I'm curious about it. That's all I'm doing. I just want to get in one. Simple test drive, no real information. I want to take 15 minutes of your time. That's all I want to do today. Mm. And then yeah. as, because if you're really a person where all you know is I can spend X amount of money and I don't know what car I want, drive tons of stuff. Drive stuff you don't even know if, well, I guess that kind of works. Drive that car too. But keep it all very light, all very short. Then all the stuff Paul's saying and all the stuff I'm saying about the detailed test drives, that's you've narrowed it down to a car or two. And then you start, honestly, then you start divulging stuff to the dealer. You start divulging stuff to the guy selling. Get them now on your side of, no, 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 I'm not fooling around anymore. I'm serious. Mm -hmm. So I need you to answer my questions so that I can figure out if I'm buying this car from you. So it it really is two different layers. You know, it's it's like a, a, I hate to say this, but it, it really is. The first one's not even a first date. It's like a blind date. Your first test <laughs> yeah. drive is, is, is yeah. like a blind date if you're going in incredibly cautious. Yeah. And, this, and, and the second layer of test drive is you're serious about this person. That's exactly what we're talking about. That's kind of the headspace. So, um, yeah, that hopefully, Eric, that gives you a little bit of guidance. And if you do get into a specific car discussion, obviously, we'd like to hear about it because we got a couple car debates tonight. And we should move on to those. Yeah, we definitely should. I just always think uh, the Doritos commercial from long ago, but it was uh, it even featured Jay Leno in it. It was crunch all you want. We'll make more. I apply that to cars because don't don't get sucked into the well. This car is the only one, and and it's for you, man. It's your car, and sure. they're oh, gonna yeah, yeah. make more. There were always yeah, be more point. cars. You're right. You can search right. countrywide, and there's so many options. So don't get sucked into the well. There's only one, and I've got 50 more buyers lined up for it. But I like you. Yeah. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Just, if, the car, if the car goes away, get another one. I. I. I that's yeah. a great point. That's a great point. Hey, before we move on, I should actually say thank you guys for those of you that have rated this podcast and you've been writing some comments that are really flattering and we're glad and many of you are sharing the podcast. We can absolutely see in our analytics when you rate. So whether you're listening on iTunes or Stitcher, do us a favor. Stop by the place you're getting the podcast. Leave a, a star rating and ideally a comment. That lifts it up. I mean, every time you guys do it on iTunes, it puts either the episode or the podcast itself in the top 10 for automotive. It's amazing how regularly <laughs> really that happens is. when you guys do that. We so please you. help us out. And and the podcast is growing consistently as you guys do that. So we're trying to help remind you. I know we remind you a lot, but please help us out there. And and thanks a lot for those of you that already have. Yeah, this is great. All right, jumping right into the car debates. These are going to stretch us in two completely different directions. Yeah, you know this? Totally. I'm rubbing totally. my hands together with glee because you've got to hear this story with this <laughs> first one. And and we've we've both. There's so much to it, and so many layers, and my mind is in so yeah. many different directions. But I I like. I like that we've got more money to work with here for Thomas, but I like that there could be some options that maybe mm-hmm. he didn't consider because he's coming from yeah. a, a pretty uh, pretty good car background, and he's only Seriously, 18. Seriously, there's t- t- you know tons of range. He's, this is Tom. I know. This is Thomas. He's 18. He's going into his senior year of high school. And then going to college, and he currently drives. I'm sitting here going, you drive a what now? He currently drives a Jeep Wrangler Unlimited. Okay, cool high school kid's car. That's funny. But then it's got a Hemi, a six-liter Hemi conversion. I thought that was a typo on the email here. And then I thought, well, no, it's not a 1.6. It's 6.1 Hemi? This is now a Wrangler with serious power. (laughs) 
But his dad, his dad is a is a car guy, serious, serious, major sports cars in some cases, supercars have been in his family garage. So he comes from you know he comes from a dad that's got money into cars and loves cars, and I think it's awesome that Thomas, you've picked that up from your dad, and your dad has shared that passion with you. But dad has also gone now. Wait a minute. You're going to go to college. You're not going to do that in a six-liter Hemi Wrangler, 300 miles one way. This is, I mean, 300 miles round trip. That's not going to happen. Let's get you something else. And so here's the twist. That Wrangler apparently is worth, the way it's done, is worth the better part of 50 grand. So his dad is saying to Thomas, all right, we've built you this car. It's cool, but it's not right for the next stage of life. We're going to get rid of this. You've got roughly... 50 grand to work with. Wow. Let's get you a car for senior year of high school and college. I mean, wow, Thomas. This is <laughs> awesome and has got my brain swimming. Now, we don't know where Thomas lives. That's not specified True. in his email here. So we don't know, you know, in terms of weather or you know, road conditions or that kind of thing. So it's a little bit hard to say. But what we do know, as Todd said, we've got this $50,000 budget. Listen to the cars that Thomas has already driven. These have been his dad's cars. Corvettes, yeah. a Dodge Viper, 911 Turbo S, Aston Martin Vanquish, Mercedes SL550, and a Lamborghini Murcielago. And I'm, yeah. if you uh, haven't heard uh, both Todd and I's first car stories, you ought to go listen to that because they're nothing <laughs> like this list. And I'm just, my jaw yes. is hanging open. And congratulations. And that's that's great because I love that you do have this experience so early in life to be able to start to curate your car experience and your, your tastes mm -hmm. early in life, which is, as you said, yeah, fortunate to be to be driving these. But here's the problem. He's trying to choose what car, and it, it almost makes it harder having driven all these great cars, but then mm, yeah, now thinking, point. all right, what should I get that fits his needs? I've got uh, some things in mind, but actually I'm, I'm guessing as far as your needs, Thomas, because here you are going off to college in a year, and I think, well, if you're driving some awesome car, guess who gets to drive everywhere? You and your friends. Yeah. <laughs> Just and yeah. and so therefore I think well, it can't be a small sports car because that's going to be a buzzkill. I mean, people are going to want to ride with you, and if it's just some two door, two seat something, I, I think it'd be kind of cool to have a bigger car that's as you say, Maybe. luxurious, Maybe. elegant. I hadn't thought about that. I thought well, you know, I just well, I had a Jeep and I drove everybody. All my friends was like, well, I've got the Jeep. I guess I'm driving to lunch. I'm going here. And so we'd all pile in a Jeep, and so that's that's where I get this thinking from: is whoever's yeah. got the biggest car, well, you're driving because it's you and your pack of friends, and sure. especially if you've got a nice car, they're going to want to ride well, with here's, you. It's not a bad thing. Here's what I find an interesting side note that's also here in Thomas's email. He, you know, again, I, I want to remind the audience: we're coming out of a Jeep Wrangler with a Hemi conversion. Okay, <laughs> this is a sledgehammer of a vehicle. This yeah. is not elegant. This is not road trip. I mean, this is the reason they're thinking about getting rid of it. So what I find interesting is contrasting that with the things he says he wants, which is automatic transmission, power, beauty, elegance, and control. Well, frankly, with the possible exception of power, the Wrangler matches none of that list. <laughs> right, right. It's it's not elegant. Maybe he's got an auto. Let's hope he doesn't. But maybe he's got an auto. But it's it's not elegant. 
it, it's it's beautiful only in the kind of hey that's aggressive looking. It's not a beautiful animal, and I love Wranglers, but I would not describe them as beautiful. And it's not a car that's known for its amazing control. So he's really looking at a I feel like a different list than what his Wrangler has met. So that also to me is a curveball. I've got I've got four thoughts for Thomas, but one of the things I want to say to you, Thomas, mm-hmm. is you've got a fifty thousand dollar budget. You don't have to spend all of that. Yeah, and. You're, by the way, I've just made best friends with your dad, having never met him. Uh, but but you don't have to spend all of that. Seriously, you could get you could get something between thirty and forty grand, have an amazing car, and then you haven't spent all the money that you need. And it also leaves you. This is the other thing. I'm I, I, worried is almost a too too strong a word here, Thomas. But I'm going to stay with worried. One of the things I'm worried about for you is I want you to get into something you'll like now, but I want you to have somewhere to go. Yeah, because there's nothing more disappointing than having. And I knew some people that had this happen: an amazing car in high school and college, and graduated college and got a car that was half as good. That's depressing, <laughs> because yeah. they could no longer afford whatever it was. So, while I want you to get into something cool, I don't you want you to get into something that you can't possibly move on to into anything better from that. You know what I mean? So I've got I've got four thoughts. But where are you on this, Paul? You know, I agree, and I like that you said you don't have to spend it all. And there's been um, part of our thoughts in prior podcasts talking about cars that are really powerful and fast and your driving skills don't match the abilities of the car versus lower power cars that you can explore the limits of more fully and Mm -hmm. thoroughly. Generally speaking, that will... Kind of line up and coordinate to a price, you know. So a a lower price car might not have as much power, but you can Mm -hmm. explore the limits of that more. And as a driver, grow rather than starting, you know, way up here, as you said, kind of at the top end of something that's, you know, in terms of speed and style and and luxury and that kind of stuff. Not that I, I, not that I'm opposed to that in any way, because I kind of do. Half my list is spending all of that fifty thousand. With, with two of these choices here, but I, I want to put a bug in your ear, Thomas, about a manual transmission. I know you want automatic and probably for the road trip, you know, probably very yeah. comfortable, but yeah. what about something, you know, actually limit yourself and say, all right, I'm going to get something that's still fast and powerful and turbocharged, but maybe it's a manual. And, and so you can start to explore those driving dynamics and driving characteristics that Interesting. some okay. larger GT or sports sedan might not give you. Because you know what those cars already drive like. The Mercedes SL550, the 911 Turbo S, the Aston Vanquish. You know what those cars feel like. And they're great and they're fun. But what about pushing your own driving skills in a different direction with, and therefore something different? Now, to start off with. I hadn't thought about that. I'm spending all that 50 grand and I thought, all right, well, a BMW 435i is tasteful. I think it's... You can you can get one of those 2015 slightly used, save a little bit yeah. of money, spend all the 50 grand, and get a 435i. They're not the flashiest car, you know, from the list of things you've driven in the past, but they've got lots of power. They're elegant. They're fun. Mm-hmm. Great for mm-hmm. road trips. And then I thought, uh, well, if we're gonna do that, what about something really baller like a 2012 BMW 650i? Which is a gorgeous car and I think hmm. fits all of these requirements that you're looking for. Auto, lots of power, beautiful, and certainly yeah. handles great. 
But then my thinking, as you and I have been talking here, my thinking has started to back off of that and thought, okay, well, that's that's going way out there. I'm not practicing what I'm preaching yeah. here. What if I backed off? And Thomas, what if you considered a Lexus IS350 F-Sport? That's a great handling mm. car, a little bit yeah. smaller. You're yeah. not spending all the money, but what a brilliant driving car and still has mm. some style. So what about I hadn't thought about that. Backing, That's interesting. Backing down, but it's not um, – I don't see that as a bad thing by any means. I don't see that as a – I see that as more you know, turning in a different direction, more towards the enthusiast side of the equation rather than just you know, speed and luxury and you know, that kind of interesting thing. Interesting you called out – Interesting you, you called it those two Beamers, actually, because I thought of Beamer right away. I mean, he says that, that brands that, when he thinks of his own list, brands that instantly come to his own list, he's not saying these are his cars, but the brands that he instantly thinks of are Porsche, Maserati, Jaguar, Audi, and BMW. So, of course, I chased the BMW rabbit trail like you did. However, I went somewhere different. Okay. And that is, All I right, looked at this curious. budget, and I thought, wait a minute, the 235i. Oh, yeah, Great. Great. He wants main. He wants automatic transmission. The DCT that BMW offers is great. Their their uh, their powertrains in general right now. That is the the shining crown jewel of all of their cars is their powertrain. Whether yeah. you get the manual or the DCT, yeah. their powertrains are great. The transmission and engines are awesome. That two thirty five i. One of the reasons I like that better for Thomas is size, because. Yeah. Yeah. You're hanging out in that low 3,000-pound range now. You're significantly smaller in scale than either the 4 that you brought up or the 6, both of which, I agree with you, do match his needs. But I, what, what I want for you, Thomas, and my whole list is kind of this way. What I want for you, Thomas, is I want you to get in a car that you can actually learn a little bit from. Yeah. And I, yeah. I'm of the demeanor that I, I, I want to keep you in something a little bit smaller in order to accomplish that. In fact, I, one of them on my list breaks that rule, but the other three are, are there. And I think the BMW 235, plenty of power, good transmission if you get the DCT, but it is closer to 3,000 pounds in, in size. And in scale, it's the size of like the E46 Beamer. I think that's the right BMW, and and the way you'd you'd spec it out, it'll probably be mid forties by the time you actually got it out the door, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. maybe closer to fifty. But I think that's the right area. I do want to take a side note real quick, because I do have one that's kind of in the weeds in the relation to the rest of my group. Okay, and it's in the weeds for two reasons. He mentions that his perfect car, if he could pick any car, whatever, it would be the Nissan GTR. Now, wow. I'm going to say this to you, Thomas. Look, I, I am not your parent. I am, I am, I, my, my son is five, and I guarantee you he, <laughs> we will have this conversation at some point. But here's the thing about the GTR. I think the GTR is very wrong for somebody your age. And I think it's wrong, frankly, for a lot of people of any age. And here's why I say that. The GTR does so much for you, it's incredibly hard to learn from. Right. That's a great point. That's the reason I don't like the GTR for you. Because if you're going to step out of that big Jeep into some sort of performance car, the GTR is blindingly quick, whether you are a fantastic driver or a moron. And the problem is that the moron is going to go blindingly quick in it. And then when something does go wrong, and I'm not saying that's you, Thomas, but I'm just saying this is possible in this car. When something does go wrong, you were going at speeds you were not going to be able to recover from. Because the GTR is so smart and so capable on its own that I think the GTR is a car that people that know cars and, are, and drive really well should drive. Now, I realize that's not the people that have bought it. Right, but right. I, th- 
I, I understand. I totally get it. We've driven that car enough. I totally get why you are intrigued by it and would like to have it. I think it's the wrong car for you. Now, it's also a little bit out of your budget. But because you like that, here's my wild card for you. Okay. Get yourself a brand new last year Mitsubishi Evo 10. Yeah. That car <laughs> loaded out. That car yeah. loaded out with their dual clutch transmission, which, believe it or not, in spite of the fact that the rest of their lineup is not interesting, that dual clutch in that car is great. So it's a good automatic. It's got the all-wheel drive, I can't believe this car just pulled that off, feel of the GTR. But it, you can tell what the car is doing more. I will acknowledge the reason it's a wild card is because it is not a luxurious place to be. No, Thankfully, no. that six-speed dual clutch isn't bothersome on the highway like the five-speed is at highway speed. So that, in that regard, it's actually fine. The seats are amazing. It. And, and the other, only other reason I think it might work for you is because it has some of the GTR traits. And let's be honest, your Wrangler is not a sexy, luxurious place. So considering that as your starting place, I feel like the Evo is not completely weird. But I will acknowledge that's a wild card. If you want to go kind of GTR route in the vein of, you know, kind of the rough and tumble feel of your Wrangler, I think the Evo X is a consideration. More luxurious, I would definitely go 235 Beamer. I have two others really quickly. You should look at the Porsche Cayman or the Cayman S. Mm -hmm. That car, again, is Good. the right size. You can learn from that car. The PDK from Porsche is fantastic. Great automatic transmission. I'm with Paul. Sticks are better to learn from, but if we're going auto, that one's great. And then finally, the one that I think actually might be just out of your budget, but I thought of this right as we started the podcast, Jaguar F-Type V6. Okay, okay. I, I, I like that suggestion. I, I'm intrigued by that. I was going to just add to that by reading Thomas's uh, um, his considerations here. And it's essentially the luxury brands of the world. Porsche, Maserati, mm -hmm. Jag, Audi, yeah. and BMW. Yeah. Mercedes isn't on that list, but you get the idea here. And here's where I'm coming from in terms of I, – I, I see where you got there. I see how you did – how you got there, but – when in car design studios, there's always a target market and a demographic that car designers mm -hmm. go after. And of here's course. a quick example. For wheel designs, a, a wheel with a lot of spokes says more of a luxurious feel. And a roof line sure. that's flatter and longer says a more luxurious, longer, more elegant. And therefore, that matches up with a kind of buyer that is probably older and wants a a lot mm -hmm. more comfortable ride and that kind of thing. So you've got Maserati and Jaguar on here. And even though they make good cars, I don't see you as their target market because I think everybody's going to say, True. is that your dad's car? Is that your grandpa's car? Like, you know, I, I like your taste. You've got great taste. But I don't see mm. you as the demographic or anything close to the target market for those cars. I mean – I feel like I'm a little young for Jaguar at this point, even though their demographic has <laughs> dropped. And, you know, we're – yeah, I, yeah. I, I still feel like, yeah, Jag, that new F-Type is sexy and beautiful. But, ah, there there's other more enthusiast-focused cars that I want before a Jaguar because Jaguar just says, mm -hmm. okay, now it's this yeah. – it's the demographic. I hear you. That's I mean, rattles around the, in my mind. This, you know, the car yeah. Of the four I've listed, you're right. Two thirty five Beamer, the Cayman S, the Evo, and the and the F Type. Those the are one sporty. you least expect. You the ones, but the one you least expect a high school kid to be driving is that F Type. Right. Um, right. I, I, I do hear you on that. And you know, 
you've actually given me a thought while we're talking this through. Okay. Uh, instead of the F type, the C7. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I could much more see a, a high schooler. Far or, more. I mean, granted, that is a ton of car for a high schooler or <laughs> yeah. somebody in early college. It's a lot of car. But the the C7 maybe is a better match than that F-Type. I, I went that route because he calls out Jaguar specifically. But you make I, a very interesting that. point about who is the person behind the wheel. And, you, and, and I take that. Thomas, here's the biggest thing I want you to take away from this, though. Get a car that is capabilities-wise low enough you can learn from it without literally setting the world on fire to do so. Yeah. And a car yeah. that you can grow from into something else. Um, because, man, congratulations on doing last year of high school and early college in a really awesome car. And tell us what you get. I want to hear this. Yeah, this will be fun. But don't, but don't feel like you have to do a be-all, end-all now. Get something you will like and that you genuinely can learn from. And I'm fully of the opinion that you learn from things that are smaller and less powerful than you do cars that are large with a ton of power. We're learning so, that constantly. And, and take I'll that as you go. It. I love that because, you know, Thomas, it's something that Todd and I are cons continually and consistently doing is pushing our own driving skills. We're constantly hungry to learn to refine techniques, whether that's heel and towing or whatever that might be. And you'll soon see a yeah, drifting yeah. video from us with the F FRS. All these kinds of things where we're refining our own techniques, and that's over years of driving now. So we're constantly looking for that. And so I love that suggestion to get something that will help you start to really push your own driving skills. You've driven some hot you know, stuff, but I feel like everybody can continually learn. Even race drivers, mm -hmm. they're constantly. Absolutely. This is why they drive shifter carts in the off-season to keep their skills sharp. <laughs> this yeah, happens. Well, you bring up it. You bring up an interesting point that I want to actually speak to from a personal perspective, and that is, you know, when we had recently, we've got this video coming up, and it's going to be hilariously drifting fun. <laughs> yeah. uh, but uh, but we have a uh, we have a Hellcat Charger, so the big four door Charger Hellcat that we had recently, and many tires were destroyed in the making of this video. <laughs> but but here's the thing: in the, the, we actually had that as a press car in the first two weeks that I happened to have my FRS. So I stopped driving the FRS for two or three days and just drove the Hellcat and then jumped back into my FRS. Now, keep in mind, the Hellcat is 700 horsepower <laughs> and tire-melting, leaving stoplights at quarter throttle. I mean, that's what this car is. The FRS is literally the polar opposite. Everything, I mean, it's, it's not even, it's barely half the weight. It's a third, well, actually less than a third of the horsepower. I mean, you, you follow what I'm saying here, <laughs> yeah. okay? It's... Less in every capacity. Even though, even though you and I really pushed that charger around, anytime I drove it, other than just hooning it for camera, I never used more than 10% of the throttle. <laughs> yeah. And it was a laugh, but I, and, I, and I'm not exaggerating. The yeah. upper 10% of the throttle was what was required to travel at perfectly good freeway speeds yeah. anywhere I wanted to go. And when I got back into the FRS, and look, I know I like my FRS, and you know I'm not trying to be some weird FRS disciple, but, but genuinely, when I got back in the FRS after three days in the Hellcat, I just thought, this is a fun car. Now, I was going hilariously slow by comparison, but <laughs> yeah. I, I was really, I was manipulating the vehicle in a way that was impossible in that Charger because I just physically did not have the real estate to ring it out. You're and right. So You're, that's yeah. that's 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 what that's where I'm coming from. That's my headspace for you, Thomas. And it's and I and I want you to keep that in mind as you shop for your next car. I'd love you to have something that you can ring out and really learn 
because we're doing that constantly, and we love that, and it helps. We yeah. should move on. All right. <laughs> I, I, yeah, great suggestions. And, yeah, Thomas, just side note, please write in. You know, this could be – we could keep talking about this endlessly, but let us know what you decide on because you've got a lot to consider here. But anyway, yes, moving on. Keep rocking here. So we um, – Go on. Gosh. Go on with Will. All right, Will. Uh, let's see here. You know, for all of you uh, U.S. service guys listening, we really appreciate it. And as Todd said at the top of the podcast, thanks for your for your service. We really appreciate it. And Will is uh, one of those guys. He is um, deployed and considering mulling some car thoughts for when he gets back. He's got mm -hmm. uh, a few months to go. And uh, he, let's see. Doesn't well, know where he's, he's going to end up. He's not, yeah, His he's wife's not sure. got an SUV. And they've got two kids. So two young kids, so we're talking two car seats. She has a small SUV, but she has agreed with him. He has an old manual 2005 Corolla, and she, wants, she has agreed with him, you know what, let's kick the Corolla to the curb. You're coming back from being deployed. Why don't you get something fun? So by the way, Will, you say you love your wife for that. Frankly, I love your wife a little bit for that. <laughs> I think that's awesome. So you've got about $30,000 to work with. Guess what? You're considering a WRX. Uh, but I want to go ahead and call out your list here. You don't know what you, I mean, look, you're coming back from being deployed. You don't know where you're going to be in the nation. You don't know what your next commute's going to be. But you're looking for something you can have some fun with. Granted, I hate to say this, but coming out of the Cor Corolla, you can kind of only go up into the world of fun. But uh, the things you've called out as, as interesting to you right away are the new WRX, the Golf GTI, so the Mark 7 GTI, the Ford Mustang EcoBoost, and the 370Z. So right away, Will, I think your headspace is in the right place. I like the things you're considering, but let's get you into something fun. You know, Will has owned two Corollas, and I say that owning one is one too many. And here's a guy that's you've done, owned you've done two your of You've them. done your penance. It's time to move I, on. I, yeah, I think I so. I think you've put your time in, and it's time to move on. So, all right. Uh, upward limit of about 32000 And the thing that caught my eye here is that Will says he doesn't want a used car, but he's, he's willing to listen. So it sounds mm -hmm. like he's, he's open to it, but I get your point. And, you know, instantly that's something that I thought of. I don't know, I, I don't know if um, car dealerships or, or, you know, to be honest, I haven't researched this much, but do they um, offer maybe military discounts? Um, you know, for active I'm service sure men, some do. things I'm like sure that. Some do. Yeah. It, it might just depend. It might be a you know American car companies only. I, I'm not sure, but in a lot of cases, we've discussed this before. A lot of large companies have buying power, and they do that for their employees. Mm -hmm. So you mm -hmm. can get you know various you know X plan pricing for you know your employees. X, as a matter of fact, that's how I bought my Jeep Grand Cherokee. Saved a lot of money, and so I thought, ah, I wonder if there's a way we could save Will, get him a new car, but could he get a military discount somehow? I wonder if that means an American car or something like that, but I, I don't know. I'm just kind of off the yeah, cuff here yeah. with that thought. But, um, yeah, the, the, this list tells us where your head's at and kind of the things you're thinking. It's sporty and fun and, you know, got good power. It sounds like you've got to be flexible because your family's starting to grow you don't know what the commute's going to be like, and so we've got a, we've got sort of an open-ended discussion here in terms of we've got yeah, to leave yeah. some some room for new factors in life to to come in. And if he gets a car, there's, and there's unknown variables. Yeah, if, you know, suddenly yeah, it's not yeah. good for his life. You know, and like, oh no, I've got to trade it in and go do something else. We want you to get in something that will be good for that. And I don't want to be mm -hmm. you know super typical and say, ah, oh, you're you know American serviceman, you got to drive an American car. 
on the other hand, there's something to that. There's something cool about that. And yeah, I, I like that kind of, I, I like that. So um, I like the list here, but I'm liking the Mustang EcoBoost. After driving that car, I could see it in mm -hmm. that car because yeah. here's the things that he's looking for, that Will is looking for, handles well, the EcoBoost did so. It's not yes. the sharpest car in the, you know, in the shed, but okay. Mm -hmm. Good power, yes, check. Something you can live with, yep. Moves and kids and reliable, yep, check, check. American car, the platform is entirely different. You can throw small kids in the back seats. You can go mm -hmm. on as a family. Mm -hmm. It's a big enough car. I, I don't want to get you in something too small. You know, unlike our last discussion, small is good, but I don't want you to get in something too small that you feel like well, a little bit he's cramped. He's got two kids. Yeah. He's got two kids. And I mean, right the there, frankly, Will, you've got to – the, 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 the 370Z is, is a forgotten car in some regards. I mean, it's not as small and agile as, like, the FRS BRZ, but if you get, you get that car with some room to run, and it is su uh, surprisingly sharp and very powerful, but frankly, man, two seats and you have two kids – yeah. I think that doesn't yeah. work. I, I, you know what? I, I'm glad you brought up the the EcoBoost Mustang. I think that is a good match here. I think the WRX is an obvious match as well. He mentions the GTI, and then in the next breath, he mentions his concern because of past history with VMW VW reliability. So I say right there, look, if you're concerned, let's chuck out the GTI. Right. However, Agreed. in its place, I'm going to put in the Focus ST. Okay. Good. Go drive that car because we're we're talking front wheel drive now, but you know what? That could handle your kids and your life and that part of the world, frankly, better than the Fiesta would. It is more balanced and a little less hair on fire than the Fiesta, but you cannot discount the Focus ST. That is a genuinely fun car to drive quickly. It would be an enthusiast car like crazy compared to your Corolla you're coming out of. I think that Focus can't be ignored. Yeah, and along with that was the car we compared it against. That was the Mazda Speed 3. I mean, that's a hoot. And had yeah. a lot of, I mean, that. Yeah. That car had a lot of space. When you fold the rear seats down, it's almost like small SUV type of space. It was actually mm -hmm. pretty impressive. And so that could be something interesting because, again, four doors, you can get a lot of stuff in it. It's going to grow, but it's yeah. still an economy car and absolutely reliable because that stuck out to me as well as if, if you have any sort of hint about – you know, reliability and maintenance and that kind of thing, that tells me you're going to need something that's more on the appliance side and just kind of runs and it's going to be good. Yeah, you got to maintain every car, yeah. but it sounds like you've got you, your focus is elsewhere. It's going to be on your family, your career, out of, you know, whether in or out mm -hmm. of the military. You've got a lot of other things on your mind and car maintenance is probably low on the list. So I don't I don't know that I see any German cars making the yeah, list. Yeah, I mean that Will, that hatch you know? that hatch shape is going to be wonderfully usable. I mean the thing about the EcoBoost Mustang, it technically has rear seats. It only has rear seats for small children. Yeah. You know, it is a significantly yeah. bigger car than the FRS BRZ, but yet both of them have equivalent rear seat space which is only almost there for show. So, but that's the truth of all <laughs> yeah. 2 plus 2s. I mean, if you yeah. go with like an Infiniti G37, which I actually think because of uh, of cost is probably not right for you, but if you go with that car, that's almost like the 370Z with back seats, but back seats kind of 
So if you really genuinely need back seats, again, we talk about trash can sized car seats now and then. I don't know if you're still into those or if you've gotten into the small boosters. I don't know how old your kids are, Will. But, uh, you know, the WRX is going to have enough space for family. So is the Focus ST. So is the Mazda Speed 3. These cars will have enough space that you could do family-related stuff and have a blast in them. Do drive that EcoBoost because it, it is, honestly, it's a genuinely impressive car. Now, the one we had spec'd for the show inexplicably was thirty eight grand. That is, and that we was keep a getting weird just, anomaly with that car. We keep I getting like. thrown under the bus as yeah. if we went and spec'd that car that way for that review, and yet the entire review we kept going, why is this car this much? The one you want, Will, on the EcoBoost Mustang is going to be within your budget. It's going to be thirty to thirty two grand. That version of the EcoBoost Mustang you will love. It is very fun to drive. But I wonder about those back seats and your real life. But there's some thoughts for you. I hope that's helpful. Yeah, you know, you've named cars here, Will, and I just wanted you to be open to considering some small SUVs as well because they can be fun. They can be fairly crisp and interesting and still have that fun-to-drive factor. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to, you know, come back to the usual suspects, the, the – um, you know, Focus ST, WRX, that kind of stuff. But I do want to put out there the CX-5, and that's the Mazda CX-5, little SUV. It's got plenty of power, and you load one of those things up to be a pretty nice car, it's going to cost you thirty grand, which is the top end of your yeah. budget. And I wonder what his wife drives. It'll grow with your family. Because uh, she's got that small SUV. Oh, she does have a small SUV. Wonder, You're right. You're but, right. I okay. w- but I wonder what it is, though. I mean, you know, <laughs> I, I, I'll put this to you, Will. If if she needs another small SUV down the line and she's not currently driving a CX-5, guess what? Look at the CX-5. But I wonder what she's driving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. he doesn't say. And it might be something fairly new. Um, mm-hmm. We just don't know. But there is that. Yeah, I, I forgot about that, that uh, their family already has a small SUV. But, uh, you know, it just depends. Um you know, something to consider, and it's a car we've recommended a lot because it can yeah. fit the needs, yeah, yeah. and it's such it's a great price. It's fantastic. You know, it's fantastic. We we have apparently forgotten how to do half hour podcasts. So uh, hey, oh, yeah, here we are again, running up on an hour. Blown so, past that, uh, didn't yeah. we? Whoops. Exactly. But uh, <laughs> Will, we hope somewhere in there that's helpful. Thomas, we hope we've been helpful to you as well, uh, and uh, we enjoyed talking also about uh, test drives at the beginning of the podcast. Hopefully, that was helpful to you, Eric. We uh, we have some craziness going on a lot. Many of the next few weeks, we're going to try to continue with our weekly Tuesday podcast and Thursday videos. Next week, we will have a debrief from the Pebble Beach show. Uh, we are headed there later this week, the week that you're hearing this. We're headed to Pebble Beach for the whole uh, Pebble Beach madness out in Carmel. We'll do some debriefs for you on uh, on the podcast and on video the week to follow. So that's coming up and lots of other crazy reviews. Uh, please be watching and rating our videos on YouTube. And uh, wherever it is that you watch stuff, hey, be sharing them and be uh, be rating because we love that. Thank you. Yeah, great point. And uh, just also, as you mentioned uh, again at the top of the podcast, was Thomas Frank, who's created this College Info Geek podcast. And that was the far more in-depth, two-hour-long how to buy a car, you know, test driving, all of that madness, and uh, lots of thoughts, lots more thoughts if you want to hear more on that. Yeah, so seriously. check that out. He was very, uh, very kind to have us on his podcast. And uh, guys, check us out. Uh, Everyday Driver TV at Gmail is for your car debate, but for Fast Blast content, keep suggesting that. We've got lots of cars coming at us, which is great. We're finding some 80s niche kind of cars, as I've suggested before, yeah, which I think are. is kind of cool. Yeah, we are. So if you've got some of those and, you know, if you've got more suggestions for upcoming 
uh, comparisons, you know, things that you want to see that you think would be interesting, would help you make better buying decisions as well, please write to us and suggest that. Even just drop us a line, say hi, that kind of thing. We're open to that as well because uh, enjoy hearing from you guys and uh, really appreciate it. So check out the videos on YouTube. And once again, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening and uh, catch you next week. <laughs>